Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast, a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Each episode is taken from a chapel message given here at Emmaus. For more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. I'm going to ask you to consider wherever you're at in life at this moment to surrender to God, and I'm going to ask you to do it by letting four things go. Now, I don't know where you're at in your life or in your scenario here at Emmaus. I don't know if it's your first year, if it's your fourth year, or if it's your sixth year, if you know what I mean. Okay? I don't know where you're at, but here's what I do know. I remember what it was like when I was 18 to 22, and I was trying to figure out, what am I going to do with my life? And I remember sitting in chapel, just like you are, at Baptist Bible College, which is now Clark Summit University, pondering what is going to happen. And I'll never forget my senior year. It was about February, and I was thinking to myself, I'm going to have to get a full-time job. Can I get an amen? And I was wondering, where is it going to be? Keep in mind, I was from Iowa, but I was on the East Coast. And so I was trying to contemplate, God, where do you want me to serve? Am I going to end up staying here in Pennsylvania? Do you want me to go back to Iowa? Just side note, very few young men want to go back to where they grew up. Can I get another amen on that? We just want to go conquer and take down the world. You know what I'm saying? So I like last thing I thought was I'm going back to Iowa. All right. And so I started praying. I was like, Lord, what do you want us to do? And what do you want me to do? And, and in the middle of those prayers, I'll never forget the concept that is echoed in Psalm 25. And it's the concept of surrender. Lord, do I trust you completely with my future? In the middle of uncertainty, all kinds of things creep up like fear, like control, like wanting to know what the next page is, wanting to know what the next step is. And in the middle of all of those things, you just wonder, God, could you just reveal it to me? Uh, a text would work. A uh, email would work. A professor who knows me and hooked me up with a job could work. Another amen out of that. Okay, any of that would work. And yet, unfortunately, that's not always how it works. So I'd like to, this morning, take a look at four key principles of surrender from Psalm 25. And I'm asking you to journey together with me as we do. I want to give you a little background on this psalm. And I'm a youth pastor, so I don't always have the most fluid and the greatest delivery and things like that. But I can tell you one thing. All of this is coming from my heart to you. So let's jump into this this morning. First of all, background. This psalm is written by David, okay, and it's a humble meditation on the character of God. Here's how I know it's a humble meditation on the character of God. It's because this psalm is an acrostic of poetry. Each verse begins with the successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's like from A to Z, this is how great God is. And I just want to reflect that in my heart as I'm writing. Or from Alpha to Omega. Or in the Hebrew, I don't know what those first letters of the alphabet are the last. I'm just a youth pastor. Can I get another amen? The psalm is by David. And it's to remind himself of the Lord's deliverance and his complete dependence in the face of 
uncertainty, fear, and doubt, which is where some of you might be right now if you're a senior and you don't know what the future looks like. So this morning, I want to commend each one of you, first of all, for getting a biblical higher education at a Christian college. I want you to know most of your peers, 90 to 95% of them did not choose that. But you did. So I want to commend you. I also want to commend you for your financial sacrifice and surrender of your checkbook to higher Christian education. That's hard, isn't it? On top of that, I want to commend you for the hours of study, the rigors of no sleep, mixed with difficult classes and technology that sometimes does not want to work when you need it to work. And finally, I want to commend you for all the things you've given up to stay here in the middle of COVID and things that you may not have agreed with or things that you're having to deal with now or the four flights of stairs you have to walk up daily. May I be counted as one who continues to encourage you not to give up. Graduation's almost here. So in the middle of this cold wintry morning in February that's not as cold as Friday, I'm here to remind you and encourage you one way, surrender to God if you haven't already. Let me give you the definition of surrender as we get into this text. Number one, the definition is to excuse me, yield to the power, control, or possession of another compulsion or demand. It's willful or forced submission to another authority. Now let's just out of the gate understand that most view the word surrender in a negative context. If I walk up to you and I say, hey, we need to surrender, most of you when you're playing Settlers of Catan would say, no way. And also when you're playing Jon Snow in chess, even if he's losing, he's going to say no way to surrender. Okay? But I want you to know in the scriptures, surrender is always viewed in the positive light as a believer. So the first thing I'm going to recommend to you is that we surrender control. Surrender control. In the first verses, it says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you, I trust Oh, my God, the center, poise, the center point of his trust is God. Twice he says to you and in you. The psalmist David finds refreshment in the guidance and provision of the Lord who is his shepherd. To you, I lift up my soul. Uh, can I word it in simple vernacular? David's saying, I put my absolute trust in you. And it's a personal you. I surrender to you, O Lord, and I put my trust. Now, I just want you to know we're surrendering all the time. We're surrendering all the time, and we have no idea we're surrendering all the time. It's just rarely to God. Watch. A couple years ago, I flew on a plane to California, and when I sat down, I surrendered to the plane. I surrendered completely. My whole body, I had no choice once the doors were locked. I was surrendered to that plane. And I was surrendered to one will on that plane, the will of the pilot. Ironically, it's funny that that same plane was flying to Wichita, excuse me, was flying to Kansas City. It couldn't make it all the way to Kansas City. The pilot chose to stop in Wichita because we didn't have enough gas. Still blows my mind to this day that they would not put enough gas in a plane to make it to the desired destination. But I'm so grateful for the will of the pilot, seeing the dangers ahead, understanding all of the turbulence, knowing that we couldn't make it, and keeping me safe without any kind of say from me. Landed safe 
plan. Uh, second illustration, I have had two left knee surgeries. I've got a bad knee from playing soccer and get hit by a car when I was young, uh, growing up. And I've had two left knee surgeries. And, and I want you to know that when I got ready to go into the knee surgery, I didn't argue with the doctor. I didn't, I didn't make deals with the doctor. I literally had the anesthesia go in. I never even saw the knife come out. I surrendered completely to the will of that doctor. And again, I had to trust. And some of you also can have more of a connection. How many of you go to the dentist? How many of you hate it when you go to the dentist? And how many of you have a hard time surrendering your mouth to the dentist? I'm in that category. But we surrender these things all the time because we need help. We can't do things on our own. My point is we're surrendering all the time. My question is, why don't we surrender to the Lord with the same willingness we do a pilot and a dentist and a doctor? God said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plan to give you a hope and a future, Jeremiah 29, 11. That's what God says. He can be trusted. He says in Isaiah 55, 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. In verse 8, it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways. Your ways declares the Lord. So why are we willing to surrender to a pilot and a doctor and put complete confidence in them and not to the Lord? Something has to change. Would you agree? So surrender control. The second thing is, is I'd like to suggest the scripture articulates very clearly that we need to surrender relationships. Would you notice in verse two and three, something happens in our text that is very fascinating. Other people begin to get involved. It says, in you I trust, oh my God, do not let me be put to shame. Well, put to shame before who? God, other people, or both? It makes it clear, nor let my enemies triumph over me. All of a sudden, we're now in relationship. The shame is in relationship to the people that are mentioned in the passage. Don't let my enemies triumph over me. That means those who see my enemies, I don't want to have shame in front of them. I don't want to have shame in front of my enemies, and I don't want to have shame before God. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame, but they will be put to shame. They, plural, will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. All right, so David begins to think about himself in relationships to others. So before we get to surrender relationships, I want to get you where I got that. Number one, David is declaring, I don't want to be put to shame. I don't want my enemies to triumph over me. And I know that no one who puts their hope in you will ever be put to shame. And those who are treacherous without excuse will be put to shame. There's a contrast. Those plural who put their trust in God will not be put to shame. And those who are treacherous will be put to shame. And in the middle of that, the statement is, and please don't let my enemies triumph over me. These are statements of provision in relationship to God's people. And here's what David's saying. Hang with me for a second. Here's what David's saying. God, please protect me. Please guide me. Please help me and answer my prayers in relationship to multiple people in multiple scenarios. I don't want to have shame in front of them. Students, hear me from my heart. Surrender your relationships to God. How many have chased, like I have, relationships with others out of honest desperation, and now you look back and regret it? 
I'm talking about past boyfriends, girlfriends, past business relationships, past desires with family members or in youth ministry where you were serving for the wrong reasons. You were trying to do things in your own strength. How many times have you prayed for a spouse and felt the weight of guilt and shame for not having one or not knowing beyond any shadow of a doubt who that is and wondered if you'll ever have one? I was in that boat. I graduated single, didn't know what was going to happen. You've gone to lunch. Now, this is for some guys who were like me. And, and you've gone to lunch and wondered, how did they ever get that good-looking girl to sit next to him? Can I bless you from the word of God today? David is reminding us to trust God with our relationships and surrender them to him completely. Stop chasing and start trusting. I have good news. If you do that, you won't be put to shame. And if you do that, it becomes God's timing and his direction. Uh, can I just give you a simple illustration? Go to the next slide. So I am telling you this in complete humility. I was not very good at this. I wanted to know who I was going to date, who I was going to marry, and how it was all going to turn out. Instead, who I thought I was going to marry crashed and burned, and I was a single youth pastor for three years in ministry. I want you to know God can do phenomenal things without your help. 3,159 miles was the distance between my wife and me when we started liking each other. Go figure. She was a missionary in Ecuador. I was a youth pastor in Iowa, and Al Gore had just invented the Internet, so we started emailing one another. God can do phenomenal things. So surrender control and surrender relationships, trust God. Number three, surrender your future. Surrender your future. I'd like you to read this with me very, very slowly in your minds as I read verse four. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Now, I'm just making some astute observations of this text again with you together. Ways and paths indicate direction. Ways and paths indicate direction. How many of you love hiking? Okay. How many of you are like me? You want to know the fastest way to get somewhere? Okay. First of all, you're all my friends. Like all of you that just raise your hand. Like I, I'm a time honk. I want to know the fastest. Do you know? Show this next slide, please. Do you know there's actually an app called Waze? W-A-Z-E. Did you know that? And here's what they advertise. You can see it up there. You get real-time alerts, best routes. If you break the law frequently, you get police notifications. Okay, and there's also accident notifications. It boasts the fastest way to get from point A to point B because we both know that Google and Apple cannot do that. Can I get another amen on that? Okay, now in Dubuque, you may not have those issues, but if you've ever been to a big city, it's kind of ridiculous. I want you to know that God himself is the one who can chart your path and chart your way, and the psalmist David is reminding himself, stop 
worrying about your future. Let God Almighty, who knows the beginning and the end as descriptive in the poetry that he's writing from A to Z, every stanza begins with a letter. He's reminding himself that God is the one who knows your future. Trust him and stop doubting. Stop worrying. Why do three million people have more confidence in an app than they do in following God's direction for their life? Look at that. I noted that up there. By the way, it's got five stars. Oh, go back. Five stars, three million people. God says again in Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So there are multiple people in the scriptures that echo that same desire for us to trust in the scriptures. Uh, Nehemiah 9.23 says, Trust the Lord. The Lord is a great God, mighty and awesome. Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 6 says, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. And then also the psalmist later in Psalm 147 says, You determine the number of the stars, stars you guide to all of them, their names. Great is our Lord, abundant in power. And watch this, his understanding is beyond measure. So surrender control, surrender relationships, surrender your future. And then finally, number four, surrender your fears to the Lord, your fears. I'm going to read for you verse 4 and 5 again. It says this. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior and my hope is in you all day long. You know, when I don't know where I'm going, I need a guide. I want you to know um, a year and a half ago, I told my son I was going to take him on a hike up a mountain, and I uh, wanted to do it with a friend of mine that was in Colorado. I wish I would have had a picture. I didn't think ahead for this, but um, I went hiking with my son, Isaac, and we went up a 14er uh, in Colorado, and I want you to know that if it wasn't for Pete, my guide, I would have had no clue where I was going. And what's so fascinating is, is he set out all of these things that covered two tables worth of stuff. He said, we need to take all of this. And mind you, this was just a three-day hike, two-night overnight, camping up in the mountains, hiking up this 14er by foot. And he laid out two tables worth of stuff. And he said, I just want you to know, this is all the things that we need. And I, I need you all to know, I did not go to each table and say, are you sure we need this? Are you sure we need this? Are you sure we need this? I looked at the table and I was like, hey, if that's what you want us to bring, then that's what we need to bring. And as we got to our first camp, we started setting it up. I had no idea there was this bear jar and he had this bear jar and we had to put all of our food in there. And he said, I just want you to know, you better not keep any food in your tent. This area is infested with wildlife. Do not put any food in your tent. We're going to hang this in a jar. I didn't go, no, is there really? Prove it to me. Show me. I was like, hey, no problem. Here's my Twix, you know. And I want you to know, as we were taking the different routes up to the mountain, I, I need you to know that when we got to a Y in the, in the path and he went left, I didn't say, are you sure we aren't supposed to go right? Here's why, folks. I keep telling you. 
The reason why is he's been up this mountain five, six, seven, eight, nine times, and I've never been there before. Students, I want you to know you can trust God. You do not need to be afraid where he's going to lead you. He's been there before. He knows the ways he has planned for you. He has, he has the absolute love and the best interest for you. In the middle of February at Emmaus Bible School, do not doubt that God has brought you here. He's equipped you. He's training you. He's leading you. And when you leave from here, he's going to continue to guide you. Why would he bring you for four years or two years or one years only to just leave you on the side of the road like, oh, no, I'm not caring about that person anymore. He loves you with an intense love. And I want you to this morning with your whole heart say, I surrender all of these things to you, Lord, because I trust you more than I trust myself. I'm just going to conclude with this simple thought. I need you to know that one of the greatest things that I struggle with in American culture is that our phones and our technology put us at the center of our life. We have a misplaced love, and that love is in ourself, our desires. That phone is a mirror to our soul, and it reveals every day whether we're stuck in hidden sins or whether we're stuck chasing our own desires or whether we want to make money more than we want to serve God. It reveals that the real true king of our soul is ourselves. And as followers of Jesus, we need to re-put Jesus back in the center point of our life, surrender our future direction to him. And I want you to know, as a youth pastor for 28 years, I've never regretted a single moment of giving my life to the Lord because I've gotten everything else as a result. A lovely wife, a wonderful ministry, a great opportunity to disciple students. And yes, there's been highs, and yes, there's been lows, and yes, it's hard. Okay, but I want you to know it's worth every minute because I'm not following Jonathan. I'm following Jesus and there's nothing greater in life. So from my heart to you, I love each one of you with the best that I can, with the limited knowledge I have. And I want you to serve your life by surrendering to the Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for each one of these students. Thank you for getting them up. Thank you for bringing them here. Thank you for opening up their hearts and thank you for doing a work in our ministry, in our, in our midst. I pray, Lord, as they consider future ministry, as they consider what you have for them down the road, I pray that every day they would be like that old hymn, that they would trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Lord, I pray that you provide each one of us that opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for these few moments together. I loved it. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.